the place for Celtics news, the place for Celtics opinion, the place for Celtics talk. It's Cattles on Causeway. Yeah, yeah, episode two. Thanks to everybody who listened to episode one. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your co-workers. Cattles on Causeway podcast, it's official. Best place to get Celtics information, Celtics opinion, just straight up Celtics talk. Speaking of talking, for the first time since his heart attack, Danny Ainge got in front of the media yesterday, as I'm talking to you right now on a Thursday morning as we record this bad boy, and uh, Ainge talked about an awful lot. This is going to be a crazy, wild-ass offseason for the Celtics. I mean, no matter what happens, right, whether Kyrie stays or he goes, whether they trade for Anthony Davis or not, a lot of changes are going to happen to this team. We don't know what kind of changes, but we know there's going to be lots and lots of activity over the next, I don't know, four to six weeks at least. So a lot is going on, but it all begins with Kyrie Irving. And here's a back and forth between Danny Ainge and Asherod Blakely on the Kyrie Irving situation. What was the exit interview like with Kyrie? It's good. I remember uh, a few months ago you talked about uh, you can't do anything until obviously free agency starts mm-hmm. uh, you use the analogy kind of like that's when you can kind of have the wedding if you will mm-hmm. is the wedding still on i don't know i mean I, there's not much i can say about that honestly but there's ongoing conversations okay. yeah we'll just have to wait and see what happens there okay but he hasn't given or his camp hasn't given you an indication that he does not want to come back here I have not received that indication, no. All right, let's get this out of the way first and foremost, okay? A lot of stuff being thrown up against the wall about Kyrie. What's going to happen with Irving? What's his future looking like? Stephen A. saying he's going to go to the New York Knicks, then he's going to go to the Lakers. Now he's going to go to the Nets. Just throw all that away. Just throw it all away. Take all of that stuff that you've heard, that you've watched, that you've listened to, and throw it in the garbage because it doesn't matter. Irving himself likely has not made a decision yet. And once we realize that, we'll be able to breathe deeply and move forward. No one knows what's going to happen with Kyrie. Danny Ainge is not going to stand there and say, yeah, he, he told us he's not going to be with us. Danny Ainge is not going to stand there and tell us, oh, well, actually, he told us, yeah, he's coming back. Kyrie is going to wait. He's going to wait like every other free agent does. That's just the way this works. Now, in a perfect world, You'd have Irving stand up in front of the media after the season was over and say, I'm returning. I want to be in Boston. That's what I'm doing. But it's not a perfect world. So we're all left waiting for Irving's answer. And we're likely going to have to wait until June 30th, if not July 1st. Remember, as we played in episode one here on Cattles on Causeway, talk to me on July 1st. Maybe Irving wants a redo since now the league has moved it back to June 30th. But I digress. Irving, he might not even know what's going on, right? Irving is a unique guy. And I'm not sold on the idea that he has already made his decision. Same goes for Kevin Durant. Same goes for Kawhi Leonard. Let's let this thing breathe. I enjoy the rumors as much as anyone. And have fun with the rumors. And speculate. And talk to your friends about the rumors. It's all good for the content business. It's all good for this podcast, which you can follow on Twitter at Causeway Podcast. It's all good. It's all good. But don't take it seriously. Don't take it as the gospel. Secondly, Ainge likely knows what way Irving is leaning. But again, he's not going to tell us which way he's leaning. The decision is likely not made. But that also does not mean that Ainge has no idea. Let's remember, front offices, they speak with agents. They speak with people who are close to these players. I'm sure that Ainge has sat down with Brad Stevens 
and gotten a read from Stevens as far as how he thinks Irving is going to play this. I'm sure that Danny has reached out to teammates. Marcus Smart is a guy that supposedly is somewhat close to Kyrie, and they got along this year. Not many guys did, apparently, with Kyrie. But, you know, it, it sounds like Smart was one of those guys. So Ainge is going to reach out to those people. And I'm sure that Ainge has an idea as to where Kyrie might be leaning. But he doesn't know the decision. And he's not going to know the decision until Irving tells him the decision. And Irving is not going to tell anyone the decision unless he is confident in that decision. He's going to sit down with these teams, right? I mean, unless he comes out on June 30th slash July 1st and says, I'm returning to Boston and doesn't take visits, he's going to sit down with these teams. He has to sit down with these teams. He has to figure out what they are planning. He has to sit down with Ainge and say, what is the deal? And if you're Ainge, you sit down and, and you say, well, we're going to go after Anthony Davis. That, that's priority number one. We're going after AD. We want to build this team around you, Kyrie. I talked about that in podcast number one as well. So Ainge likely knows where Irving is leaning towards, but he doesn't have the decision just yet. So that leaves Ainge in a spot where what you heard yesterday with Asherod Blakely, that back and forth we just played you, Ainge has to play it down the middle. He's got to play it down the middle. He, he can't show his hand whatsoever because while he's wishing and hoping, I think, for Kyrie to return, he's also having negotiations with other players and teams. And a lot of those negotiations revolve around Irving. He's not going to show the hand yet, right? He, he's not going to show New Orleans, for example, that Irving is coming back because then New Orleans might think they can get more out of Ainge for Davis. So he's not going to show his hand. He's playing a massive game of poker. And I know some up in Boston. What's up, Felger? How's it going? I know some people uh, listen to stuff up there and, and some hosts up there are trying to paint this as, oh, well, Ainge doesn't think Irving's coming back. I don't think anything that Ainge said yesterday tells us whether he thinks Irving is returning or he's not returning. So relax with that. Now, as far as Kyrie in the playoffs, before we move on and talk about Anthony Davis and what Danny Ainge had to say about taking risks, which I think really gives us an idea as to what the Celtics are going to do in the next couple of weeks, let's talk about one more thing regarding Kyrie, and that's the playoffs, that's the postseason. A lot of people dumped on Kyrie, including myself. I thought he was awful. In those last four games, there's no denying that. But Ainge wanted to make sure that Irving is not the only guy getting all the criticism and all the hate. Here's Ainge. You know, the first thing I would say about the whole Kyrie thing, I mean, I just think it's it's unfortunate that, you know, one person gets credit or blame for team's failures. I mean, we had a lot of reasons why the team did not succeed this year. And and, uh, you know, Kyrie deserves his share of the blame, but not any more than anybody else. There's a lot of guys that, um, you know, didn't handle things the right way and, and, and um, make the sacrifices that needed to be de- done for the benefit of the team. And so uh, I think that they're all going to learn from it, including Kyrie. He's, a, he's still a young player, and uh, I think that Kyrie's going to even come back better next year. I look at these situations. You know, I look at the Pittsburgh Steelers, for example. Everybody wants to dump all of the blame on one person, and that's illogical. That's unrealistic. There is the old, as we call it, the blame pie, right? Who is having uh, their slice of the blame pie? All that bullshit. Well, when you look at when you look at what's going on with this situation in the playoffs, right? Kyrie deserves a big slice of the blame pie from a player perspective. His defense was atrocious. 
He didn't give much effort, especially on the defensive end of the floor. Uh, he did not show the kind of urgency you would hope someone would show when their playoff lives were on the brink of being tossed. He didn't show the urgency. He didn't play that defense. Uh, he's not a great defender to begin with, as all of us know, but you'd like to see him at least try a little bit, right? So you've got the defense, you've got the urgency, it wasn't there. His decision-making was terrible. Offensively, it was all iso ball, nonstop, dribble, 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 do something because there's four seconds left. He had a bad playoff when it comes to the Buck series. He was good against Indiana. He wasn't good against Milwaukee, okay? But he doesn't deserve all the blame. It's unfair to put all of the blame on Kyrie. It'd be silly to do that. When you look at Brad Stevens, he deserves some of the blame. When you look at uh, other players like Terry Rozier, who was massively inconsistent this year, he deserves some of the blame. Jason Tatum deserves some of the blame. Everyone deserves at least a slice of the blame when you lose the way this team lost. They look like a bunch of pigs in green jerseys. That's on the entire team, not just on Kyrie. However, Kyrie's supposed to be the leader. And if the Celtics won that series, Kyrie would have gotten most of the credit. So they lose, he deserves most of the blame. Just not all of it. And moving forward, I think roster construction, again, I hit on this a little bit in episode number one, Cattles on Causeway here, Nick Cattles, ESPN Radio, speaking with you about our beloved Celtics. You can follow me on Twitter at Nick C Radio. You can also follow the podcast at Causeway Podcast. We're on SoundCloud. We are efforting, as they say in radio, to get on iTunes. Hopefully we'll have more information about that in the coming days. But moving forward, roster construction is going to make a difference. This team is going to be built around Kyrie Irving. So we'll see what happens with Kyrie and whether or not he returns and how he feels about returning if that is his decision. Moving forward and moving on, we need to look at what's going on with Anthony Davis. And there's been a lot being talked about in the media, right? Uh, Davis wants out still to this day. Uh, David Griffin, apparently, according to Sham Sharania earlier this week, Griffin is taking phone calls now from teams. So it looks like they're open for business. And the biggest question about this whole Davis ordeal with the Celtics is whether or not Ainge is willing to take a risk. Now, I said on episode one of this podcast, I talked about the Kevin Love situation. Remember the, the summer of love? I think it was, what, May of 2014? It was about five years ago. Uh, the summer of love. Everybody was talking about Kevin Love. And Kevin Love went to Boston. He visited Fenway Park. He shook hands with Rajon Rondo in one of the suites at Fenway. He was at Cask and Flagon having a beer, taking pictures with fans. All that stuff. Remember that? Well, back in May of 2014, Danny Ainge had told Toucher and Rich on 98.5 The Sports Hub that, yes, he would be willing to trade valuable assets for somebody who only had one year left on their deal, and that player did not give a commitment to the Celtics. Ainge said he would be willing to swing that kind of a trade. So, yes, I think that Ainge is going to take the risk. I think Ainge will take the risk with Anthony Davis. But first, let's hear from Ainge about the Kyrie trade and overall his philosophy on taking a risk. How do you I don't even know what deal you're talking about yet. So like <laughs> just in this, general. I understand, but like it, it depends. There's there's always risk in making deals. And uh, so I'm not, we're not afraid of risk. We, we made a risk by trading for Kyrie, and no matter what happens with Kyrie, we'll, I'll never regret that. Just move on to the next deal. 
Now, the Kyrie risk is different. Let's get that out of the way. When you look at that trade, they didn't trade a whole lot, right? Jay Crowder, eh. I know Boston, some of Boston thought Crowder was unbelievable. Eh. He's he's the role guy. Uh, so they got they got rid of Crowder. They got rid of IT. As we know, IT ended up being damaged goods, unfortunately, for Thomas and his career. But, you know, he, he hasn't been the guy at all. And not even close. He's hardly getting on the floor at this point. And they traded what ended up being, what, the sixth pick, I think, for uh, the sixth or eighth pick. Colin Sexton was drafted by Cleveland. So that's what they gave up. They didn't give up the kind of assets that they're probably going to have to give up for Davis. You you might not give up both Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, but you're giving up one of those guys. You probably are going to give up Marcus Smart. You might even have to give up the Memphis pick, even though I think it's going to be Tatum or the Memphis pick. I think it's going to be Tatum. But if you give up Tatum and Smart, that's a whole hell of a lot more than you gave up for Kyrie Irving, and let's not forget, Irving had two years left on his deal. So it was a different, different world. This kind of risk is a gigantic risk for Danny Ainge to take if he decides to pull the trigger on Davis, which I think he's going to do. I think 100% the Celtics would deal for Anthony Davis. It is Ainge's thought that talent trumps everything else, and he will go after the most talented guys. And Davis is a top three to five player when he's healthy in the entire league. Ainge is going to chase that guy. And the question then is, how much will it cost? And, and if Irving stays, I think the Celtics just go with the motherload kind of deal. I think you're looking at Tatum and maybe even Jalen Brown and some filler and some draft picks. If Irving decides to go to the Knicks or the Nets or wherever the hell he goes, the Clippers, whatever happens with him, right, then I think maybe the Celtics pull back slightly. Maybe they offer just Tatum and some picks along with, you know, Marcus Smart. So it, it's going to be a very fascinating deal to watch play out because we don't know where Davis ends up. We don't know what the package is going to be, but I am absolutely 100% confident that the Celtics are talking to New Orleans right now and they would deal for Davis. Ainge has had him in the crosshairs for years and he's not going to let this opportunity pass up. So I think he does take the risk and I think they should take the risk. Moving on, one guy that we're all looking at this offseason is Gordon Hayward. And we all know that it was a difficult season for Hayward. Anybody watching this team saw that, right? Everybody. Everybody knows that that was not the Gordon Hayward that we had seen in Utah. And we know he was coming back from that ankle, and it was going to take some time. And part of the reason why the Celtics had such a tough season compared to the expectations And because of how their season ended, we look back and and you have to say Hayward played a big role in that. If Hayward was Hayward, the Celtics might still be playing. I mean, I don't know if that would be the case, but they would have had a much better chance to keep playing if Hayward was Hayward. Here's Ainge on Gordon. I'm I'm really excited for Gordon's upcoming season. He's working hard right now in the gym. He's here every day with five or six coaches and bodies out there working extremely hard. He's put a lot of time in and I'm anticipating great things from Gordon this next year. I think that I don't really look at it as fading in the Milwaukee series. I look at, you know, sometimes it's just opportunity. There's only one ball out there and, um, and you know, I, I, I'm not worried about Gordon Hayward. I, I'm, I'm not worried about his future or how good a player he is. I see He's doing everything he can. If he doesn't become the player that he wants to be, then it won't be from a lack of trying. But I'm very excited and optimistic about his future. I am excited and I am optimistic about Hayward as well. I think Hayward's going to be good in 2019-2020. 
I think he could maybe give you, I don't know, I, I hate putting percentages on it, but if you want to put percentages on it, we, we might be able to see 80-85% of what Hayward was in Utah. And if that's the case, he's a top 30, top 40 player in the league. I, I think he's going to come back. He's going to come back with that chip on his shoulder. He's going to have the entire summer to work out, which he did not have last summer. He's going to be a different guy. If people think that Gordon Hayward is dead and buried, i got to tell you, you're straight up wrong. I think Hayward is going to come back He's going to be motivated, he's going to be healthy, and he's going to feel more comfortable within the system and on this team. And I think Hayward is one of those guys, a lot of people are overlooking that dude. I mean, remember how excited you were when Hayward decided to sign with the Celtics. Remember how excited you were when it was the 4th of July and all of a sudden Chris Haynes was breaking the news that Hayward was going to join the Seas. Think about how excited you were. That excitement wasn't just blind excitement. That excitement was absolutely, absolutely justified. This guy, he was a top 25 player in the league. And let's not overlook that. He is an all-star caliber player. And he's not close to being 30 years old yet. So I think some people throwing dirt on Hayward's career, they're just, you know, way too pessimistic for me. They're just the the Debbie Downer. Everything is terrible for this team. It's all, you know, hell in a handbasket. This thing is over. I'm not going there. I think Hayward is going to be more than useful next year. I think he's going to be good. He's too smart. He's too versatile. Even if he's never going to get back athletically to where he was, the intelligence, the basketball intelligence and his versatility in what he can do, mid-range, drive, finish at the basket, He can shoot the three. He can ball handle. He can do everything on the floor. He's the perfect guy where even if he's physically limited, if he never gets back to what he once was, but he's healthy and he's confident, he's going to produce. He's too damn good, too damn versatile, and too damn smart not to. And I think not only physically will he be healed up, mentally he will be healed up. And and we saw some of that progression throughout the year. It wasn't consistent. No way was it consistent, but we saw it. We saw the flashes, and that's all I needed to see this year. I didn't need to see him be awesome this year. I needed to see the flashes of what he once was to make me feel like he'll get back to that player, and I saw those flashes. Not as much as some would like, but I saw the flashes. And by the way, when you look back, some people were bitching about the Celtics playing Hayward so much. Catch 22. You had to play the guy. He had to work through it. He had to work through it physically. He had to work through it mentally. You had to have him out there with the rest of the team playing minutes because you were not going to go as far as you wanted to go without Hayward being comfortable and confident. Now, they never got to that spot where he was consistently comfortable and confident, but they had to try to get there. They had to. You can't sit the guy for the first month of the season. You can't play him 10 minutes at a time. He needs to find his rhythm. He needs to find his confidence. That was the catch-22. It was growing pains. We all had to deal with it. And here's another thing. There's no way that they're going to sit a guy who's getting paid the max. Wick Grosbeck did not pay Gordon Hayward as much money as he paid him last year to sit on his ass. That's not happening. It is not happening. It's, it's that simple. So I expect some big things from Hayward uh, going forward uh, with the C's. A couple of other things I wanted to hit quickly. Al Horford, uh, he had said after the season was over that he was open to the idea of restructuring his contract. He wanted to stay in Boston. He loved Boston, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, here is Ainge on Horford. Um, th- that will be discussed. 
sure. That's, that's one of the priorities on our list as well. One of the priorities. And I think that's a big nugget. Some people kind of glossing over what Ainge just said. I think that's a big nugget for this offseason. Listen, Horford wants to win. I don't think Horford is, is hanging around for an extra three, four years unless the Celtics sell him on a plan. And if Horford restructures, if, if he signs an extension and drops the average annual value of that deal, if he drops it down, that tells me that Ainge sat down with Horford and told him what they have planned and that Horford believes what they have planned is a recipe for winning. I think that's a big nugget. I think he's going to absolutely give Horford a peek inside of the plan, the offseason plan. Horford's not going to sit around and, and wait for the rebuild. He's not going to sit around and say, okay, well, we're just going to we're going to draft a bunch of guys. We're going to hope that Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown develop and they become stars. At least I don't think Horford would do that. Horford wants to win. 33 years old. And if he signs that extension, if he commits for an extra couple of years with the Celtics, I think that tells us something. That tells us that Ainge is planning at least a few things this offseason that will make the Celtics a winner. So keep an eye on that. I am 100% behind uh, signing Horford to that extension. I think he's crucial to this team. I used to have battles on a nightly basis during the basketball season with Adam Jones on 98.5, and I stand by everything I said about Al Horford. He is important to that team. He does a lot that people don't pay attention to. And if you have Horford, you have somebody in your locker room that has the right intentions and is a veteran leader and on the floor can do a lot of things for you. Last tidbit, Danny Ainge told the media that uh, his role is not going to change. He's going to stay doing what he's been doing for the last, I don't know, it feels like forever, and he is quite comfortable with that, and the heart attack is not going to affect his role. He just needs to eat more plants, not the Bill Walton kind, as he said. So it looks like he's going to keep uh, the job that he's had, and that's good news. That is good news. You want Ainge in the driver's seat right now of this offseason because this is a crucial, crucial offseason. You know, I don't know what's going to end up happening. I feel like Anthony Davis will be a Celtic. I have no idea what to expect from Kyrie. And it's going to be a hell of a ride. Some major decisions need to be made this offseason by the Seas. And I feel quite comfortable with Ainge making those decisions. And I think we'll be looking back at this offseason because Ainge has been waiting for so long to pull the trigger on an Anthony Davis trade. He's been holding on to these assets for years, literally. We'll look back at that, and we'll, we'll figure out whether or not Ainge was waiting for Davis or waiting for Godot. Because if they don't land Davis, and they don't do something that sends shockwaves throughout the NBA, I believe there's going to be a healthy amount of Celtics fans saying, man, they blew their chance. They could have traded those guys for Kawhi Leonard. They could have traded those guys for Jimmy Butler. And I'm not saying those people are right. I mean, for Kawhi, I would trade those guys for Kawhi. For Jimmy Butler, no thanks. But there's going to be a lot of second guessing if Ainge is unable to land the big, big, big fish he's been waiting to land for a number of years. But I want him in that role. He needs to be in that role. <laughs> Old Jack Nicholson shit there. He, ne- he needs to be on that wall, damn it. He deserves to be on that wall. He needs to be on that wall. 
It's going to be a lot of fun over the next few weeks. We'll keep you updated. I plan on rolling out pretty much a podcast every week or so. Uh, The next one should be about the uh, draft unless there's some breaking news. If there's breaking news, we will have emergency Cattles on Causeway podcast. So be ready for that. I can record stuff at home. So be ready. If something big breaks at night, I'm hopping into my man cave and I'm cutting a podcast about that big news. But I'm planning on doing a, a draft podcast next week. And uh, maybe, just maybe, Anthony Davis will be somewhere else by then. So Cattles on Causeway, episode number two. Danny Ainge has spoken. Listen closely, folks. Again, you can follow us on Twitter at Causeway Podcast. You can follow me personally on Twitter at Nick C Radio. You can catch us on SoundCloud as you're listening right now to us on SoundCloud. Make sure you subscribe and like us. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your coworkers, tell sports fans, tell the random guy sitting at the end of the bar on a Friday night. Tell everybody you know about this freaking podcast. We need to make this thing live. Celtics fans, you want Celtics talk without the bullshit. This is what it is. This is your chance. So spread the word about us, and we'll keep pumping these podcasts out. Again, at Causeway Podcast on SoundCloud. We're trying to get iTunes done. This does it for Episode 2. Nick Cattles, Kyle Hightower, Executive Producer. Until next time, deuces.